0: Welcome to the Brain Screener Podcast. I am your host, Paul Grant. I'd like to wish everybody a happy new year. I hope your festive season is bright and breezy. This episode will be out on what is called Blue Monday, a concept that doesn't really exist, unfortunately. Today's episode, we talked to our friend Roy Hurd of the Blunt Chisel Brewery in Kelty. Their brewery, I've enjoyed working very closely with a brewery who makes up a pillar of the mantra of green school, and We get very deep into that in this episode. In shop news, we also have some fresh new beers in from Siren Brewing. We have Pascal Pills and Euphoria. Pascal Pills is an Italian-style pilsner. The Italian. Pilsner is very much dry hot for aroma, so it gives on a big floral hit in the nose. Euphoria is a kiwi and lime goes brewed in collaboration with Queer Bruin and Lauden Bruin. The proceeds from that go to LGBTQ charities, as that is very much something that is important to both Lauden and Queer Bruin. We also have a, a whole new brewery that we've never stocked before from across the other side of the country. We have Padstow Brewery. Padstow Brewery is in the town of Padstow which is down in Devon or Cornwall, it's one of the two. We have three beers from them. We have their Padstow Pilsner which is a Czech style Pilsner, so we have a lot of very full bodied characteristics. We also have Shallow End, which is a 2.8% hoppy pale ale, which promises to be very much an IPA for people that don't really want the alcohol of an IPA. If you're a fan of smoke, we also have their beer, which is just called The Smoke. Really, that's that's, what it's called. Um, It's an oatmeal porter with some smoked malt, which will give it that big campfire characteristic. So let's get into today's episode with Roy. Like I say, we go quite deep into process. We go quite deep into philosophy. I'm—I own up straight away that I should have been paying attention to this brewery a lot earlier than I should have been. Sheep beer has proved to be a phenomenally popular beer and very good. Roy punches so far above it, above the brewery's weight and you know, on paper capabilities. Um, so yeah. Hopefully you enjoy this episode of the Green Scooter podcast. How are you doing, <laughs> Roy? How um, things?
1: Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, it's a nice sunny day. and am feeling quite sort of bright for the new year coming. Um, yeah, with a bit of a halt because of COVID over Christmas. Um but back on it now. Um, pulling all the tanks and restocking. Um, after a lot of sales, it's been really busy, November, December. Um, yeah, sort of, you know, pushing the brewery now in its sort of new size to, yeah, sort of good stress testing and, yeah, feeling quite confident. Um, just planning and, yeah, thinking ahead. A lot of thinking ahead.
0: It's it's always the month for admin. Almost it's it's the spare space you have to go have that ten minutes to go. Oh, should I be doing this or this or what about this? It's it's the time of year when phone calls can be made and emails sent and yeah processed. Thought sort of thought about. And I didn't even think about it yet. Yeah, it's a nice day today. Even through here in Kirkcaldy it's actually quite nice. It's sunny, but it's not overly cold. It's it's fine. It's fresh, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. Nothing's freezing or anything. So frankly waiting for the traditional february winter when it's just three feet of snow and slush and everything else is yeah, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i'm currently mm. drinking phoenix pale um which oh, okay is, good uh, your, uh which is your core session pale with mosaic and jester, and i'll uh, you know we'll get into that in a bit um let's talk about your beer history where does you know i don't need this or three-year-old drinking a can of ten it's part of the history but where does your sort of love of beer stem from when does that start for you um
1: i definitely was uh, yeah well i think uh, yeah my kind of um, drinking culture sort of i started very started very young um my dad (laughs) loved pubs um and he took us into pubs a lot um i was quite a quiet child so they kind of tolerated me mostly um so uh, it was the kind of the culture and the atmosphere and, and I sort of hit sort of 18 legal age, um, oh, no. with drinking, uh, was drinking, you know, ready available lagers and things like that. But I was lucky in sort of in the, um, Leicestershire where I lived, there was quite a lot of real ale houses and, and I kind of just preferred it. And I kind of developed a bit of a, an interest in food and flavor quite young and, started cooking and taught myself to cook um must admit i diet at home our family wasn't the greatest cook so i kind of wanted to i was just interested i was just interested in it and i think alcohol and food all sort of sort of sat quite equally with me um so yeah i kind of real ale drinking uh Mm -hmm. And I love it, and I still do. <laughs> but yeah, sort of moving up to Scotland, there is obviously a real old Cascale ale culture. Um, it's not quite, you know, it's not as many country pubs as there is in in England, um, which mm-hmm. is something I miss a lot. But um, but then, yeah, I probably developed sort of more of a craft beer sort of thing. I mean, my introductions were pretty generic, to be honest. We did. I, did, I was staying in Glasgow, and that encouraged me to that we had a really good odd bins near us and a couple of good like good spirits company and places like that where i just buy interesting things and oh, try were you stuff up,
0: uh, were you up hindland way then
1: um where well, yeah, we were uh we were in um tassie street in shorelands
0: oh okay yeah yeah shorelands yes because i always forget that because i because in my head the good spirits co is the one in hindland on the really steep ah, hill
1: yeah oh yeah okay so, yeah because they moved yeah yeah yeah. Oh, right. This is,
0: this is before my time in Glasgow as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I apologize. Well, yeah.
1: So, wish- I, I understand the odds. Yeah, they, they had a really good, they've still got a really good whiskey shop. And then, yeah, they sort of opened a beer shop around the corner, which was right near the bus stop at home, which was, uh, <laughs> which sort of meant, yeah. So I, I tried lots of really great beers and fell in love with breweries like Tempest and Top Out at the time. I really liked their style. Um, yeah, quite approachable. Um, maybe my sort of geekdom was more into whiskey, to be honest. I was pretty obsessed with whiskey. Um, I can't drink it now because I'm terrible. Um, my, my body's turned against me. Um, so (laughs) having children, (laughs) um, so yeah, unfortunately it's just all memories now. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my, my beer appreciation sort of followed along with that really. Um, the two hand in hand, to be honest um uh-huh. kind of interested in all booze to be fair i mean i'm not i wouldn't call myself a particularly a geek in any way i kind of think i should be a bit more to be honest um, but, um i just know what i like and i'm interested in the process um and it was at work i used to work in theater um And there was a few other guys that were making beer and I would just always talk to them. It's usually my sort of love of interest and they were of whiskey and they wanted to know more about whiskey and sort of chewed my ear off about that. And then they were making beer and I was like, I want to make beer. That sounds like fun. So um, I started and, um, and just, just loved it. I just love the process and the smells and it's so sensory. Um, And... I kind of think like with cooking, I feel like a lot of things are quite additive. So you add salt and you add sugar and you add vinegar and you change the profile or something. But I feel like brewing is subtractive. You kind of build this ball of flavor and then you have to work out what's going to get taken away from it and what's going to change. Mm-hmm. It becomes less sweet. It's going to, you know, sour. The bitterness will change. Um, and I found that just fascinating. Um and yeah, that's what kind of started me. Really,
0: <laughs> that's really interesting because I don't, because obviously food and beer kind of they match and they, you know, people like to put them together. But I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody who thought about beer that way, almost as the po- polar opposite of food. Like you say, that additive and that subtractive sort of part of it. Because yes, when you when you make beer, and of course you have this sweet wort. and that that isn't how it tastes when it's when it ferments or once it's done fermenting, and yeah, that's yeah. before you do anything else with it as well. So I've never really thought of it that way either that's that's really that's a genuinely interesting way to look at it yeah i don't don't know
1: whether it's probably got probably full of holes like most of my theories but um
0: yeah it's um, it it makes sense it makes sense because i've been thinking about lager brewers a lot and it's like you don't know if the process works until you get to the far end of
1: it yeah absolutely so that
0: that makes a lot of sense because you're aiming for an end product rather and you don't really have the ability to sort of adjust as you go Yep. like always with food you can you can add a bit more salt you can add a bit more yeah, bacon grease or whatever this that or the other thing yeah you don't you don't get that you you are like all right cool this is what I'm doing this this and this and if it doesn't work then it's back to the drawing board it's that's it yeah yeah that's,
1: it's, that's... it's hard yeah that's what's that's what's tricky about it and um yeah you, you can sort of start to, i mean just tasting all the way through things and um mm-hmm. And you get you get you get you get indicators of you know like what wort's going to work and what doesn't. Um, like a Budanu beer today, um, a trial, and it's basic, it's It's got a bit of a malt bill, a bit like my ginger honey rye beer, which I, which is really. Um, but yeah, tasting the wort, and I'm like, right, I'm going to really taste this and see what see what I can pick out from it. And you still find yourself a bit like this could go in any direction. I don't quite know just yet. Um especially oh, yeah. especially when you put a big dry hop in it or something like that. You could take quite yes. a wobbly beer and then make it really balanced. Or the opposite. You could take a beer that's like it's, you know, quite sort of you know, steady footed, yeah. one of a better word, and then just just kind of like it's all about balance. I think that's the really yeah. hard thing with with yeah, anything like that. And, and so you can have something that's quite extreme, but if it's balanced, it's really good, or something that's very, very subtle. Um and I think yeah, that's something I'm, I'm trying to get my head around. Is um, and then what the what are the mitigating factors in that? It's Sort of bitterness, astringency, watching process to try and manage those, and then yeah, try and um, and trying yeah, introduce balance into beers that are more varied. One a better. Word. Yeah. Anyway, Paul, I think I've gone off track. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's a, it's it's interesting because. Le- like I say, it can go either way. There's no guarantees. And even in commercial breweries that make the same beer in and out, you know, day in, day out, there, sometimes something does go awry. And it's, you know, it's, you know, and it's it's fine when you're on a trial, when you're like, all right, cool. So this is what I can take away from this. But when you've made 40,000 litres or something, (laughs) or you've made 400 (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There was once when I was at uh, Fallon Brewing and, I don't know how it happened. I really don't, because I was always sales and distro, But somebody accidentally dry hopped uh New World Odyssey twice, and of course, and this was twenty barrels of it as well. Wow. <laughs> and we went, oh hang on. So we just had to go to everybody. Sorry, this has happened. We had to, we we had a little label maker to with that we spelt out DDH with, and everybody was happy with it. Everybody was fine it didn't add anything to it i don't think i don't think it was a, any better a beer for being double dry hopped but it was an entire cask and keg run as well for if it was uh, cans i don't know i don't know what we would have done because we would have to have get, gotten new labels what's it that was uh that was quite spectacular that's that tricky
1: that is so tricky and yeah that, yeah that's that's where the pressure of consistency comes because kind of when i got into this it's like oh it'll be interesting just to you know, things change around a lot. and, and it, But it's, it's yeah, once you've kind of got these, you know, those commitments and you've got these products, then you need to sort of... And, yeah, it's generally quite... But mistakes happen, and that's it. And especially when, you know, tired. And there's so many processes in making beer. Like, there's just a long list of things to do. Um, you can be as organised as you want, but every now and again, something silly happens But it's also interesting yeah. to hear, like, a beer, like your opinion, like a beer that's double dry hot, actually didn't really improve it it's not always more is no better it wasn't in,
0: it wasn't intentional if it was intentional it worked great i think it would have been around more than this yeah. one batch of it going oh, yeah yeah but yeah how know, all all parents,
1: accidents things. do happen and things are, like yeah. awesome because of it um yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so uh, you know obviously you take up homebrewing at some point and amongst that i guess and yeah. then, what? Where? Where did the idea for Blunt Chisel come from? Um, where was? Where was this? What was the sort of magical seed there going? Oh, I really should start a brewery. I should go into this.
1: Um, I don't know. I think it was sort of some kind of like mental health issue or brain issue <laughs> or something. Um, um, <laughs> <not a> joke. <laughs> um, no, it, I. I basically, we, we, uh, me and my wife were in Glasgow and getting a bit sick of being in the city. Um and my line of work was was in theatre. So I'd I'd basically be about three or four months a year away on tour. Um and the hours were silly. There were you know it's it's nine in the morning to ten at night, and then everyone goes to the pub. Um so you don't really see each other, and there's not really much of another option. I was doing I was I was enjoying what I was doing, but my heart wasn't really into it. Um so we were looking to move to country, um, and basically what is now the brewery, the building that's the brewery, we were going to convert and move into as a house. Um, so we had planning permission in for that, and got quite a way down the line and spent a lot of our deposit. Um, and then the coal mining underneath the property sort of flagged up. It was a bit, it was a bit of an oversight by, the, by everyone, really. Um, and it just was going to be silly. So we had to sort of abandon the project, but in the meantime, we'd moved, <laughs> we moved here, um, because my wife was retraining as a primary teacher and she had to say what she wanted to work in. Um, so we had to sort of make the call. So yeah, so we'd moved in with my mother-in-law next door. And then, so this space was empty and I was like, I was commuting to Glasgow six days a week, um, and working 13 hours and it was just killing me, um.
0: Yeah, so we just like idea, no.
1: what what else could i do
0: <laughs> what
1: else could i do anything yeah could i do anything um and so i've been talking about food businesses and like um thinking about sort of um uh so, ugh, what are they called street foods and all that sort of stuff um kind of around the time when that thing was kind of getting popular um And I kind of toyed with it, but I kind of didn't really want to be catering because I don't really like catering. I mean, I don't knock in anyone who does street food or anything like that. Um, But, you know, whatever way you sell it, you're doing shit hours for no money and you're you're catering. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Sorry everyone. I'm really sorry about that. Um,
0: and you're working the hours that you'd want to be home as well, because yep. that's quite an evening or weekend sort of thing. That's, and that's obviously the time that your wife's going to be home as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. Every time anyone wide. wants to have a nice time, you're working. So yep. I did that. I've done that since I was 14 and I was kind of bored of it. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I was making beer and I I, ba- I basically was steaming the house out at homebrewing. And was just brewing batch after batch and after batch just because I really liked it. And I'm like, look, let's just get good at this. Um, get better at it. I don't know whether I got good or not, but um so I moved in and then started making beer and just just started selling it. That was it. I just went put the process in. I started really small, self-funded. I was brewing on a grain father, the one I used earlier today. Um and then putting beer out there. Um, and admittedly, I was probably started way too soon, but I learned a lot. Um, and yeah, that's where the Blunt Chisel came from. The actual name of it, um, I op- one of the first things I did, it was really silly, was just to try and make it official. So I opened a business account. So it's a business. Um, and they asked for the name and I just kind of came out with Blunt Chisel. Because someone had been telling me about um, Andy, and Arnold Smith, who was my wife's father who whose space this is, the brewery that I'm in at the moment. Um, so he he was a wood turner, pattern maker, very, very, very talented man who wasn't maybe the best businessman, but um, but made amazing things and built the house next door and charged undercharged for things and no one wants to pay no one wants to pay for craftsmen really, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he got ripped off a lot and but did he loved it and did what he did and he took care of his tools and he he never had blunt chisels and i kind of liked kind of liked it It it's also a bit self-deprecating because i'm a bit rubbish at stuff so a little bit of my approach my uh, attitude to the whole project was just to hammer through it um yeah so without much refinement
0: yeah Uh, i didn't i didn't realize because i've obviously seen the brewery and i've seen the house or at least seen the outside of the house i didn't realize that he built the house as well that's that's yeah i think to be sniffed at. that's
1: quite impressive in its own right it's yeah it was yeah i think I mean it was a massive project it was derelict this used to be the old sawmill for the blair adam estate um so there's a date stone for 1836 outside um Jeez. and you can still see the old well well the old um crane Sorry, I'm looking around no one can see uh, <laughs> but, like where the, the cranes were for getting logs in and stuff like that and the laid and there's a mill pipe that used to drive the whole thing and I mean, it must have been quite an industrial little place. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah, they moved in and fell in love with it, and it was quite remote where it was. There's only sort of handful of cottages at the time, and um, yeah, they put caravan in the garden, and um, and yeah, he just worked for stuff. They didn't have any money, um, and he just worked for materials. So all the bits in the house or in the brewery, they're like they're basically borrowed from places. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the living room next door's got the beams in it. I think were from a big factory in Coochi that was being taken down, and, and oh, he's really? like, "I'll have them." And so that, and he built the house because of what he had, and it's a bit of a punk approach, really. <laughs> but did beautiful things with it. I mean, he was a very skilled man, and he, you know, he read a lot. He taught himself, and um, you know, come from a, come from sort of the black country where he sort of brought he's brought his brothers up because he's he's in a big family and. Didn't, dropped out of school early and and just read books and taught himself to become the person he wanted to be. And I think it's quite inspirational, really. Um, yeah, so that's yeah quite kind
0: impressive.
1: Of, kind of wanted to keep that spirit alive, really. In you know, w- with this, um, hopefully, he'd approve of it. Um, yeah, put three phase power in as well, which is good.
0: <laughs> so did you put that in yourself no no
1: no it was here already yeah because it was all all machinery so yeah it's driving all the all the motors um so yeah it's plenty of power so i can sort of yeah not my green cadet was he I'm great i don't want
0: to go too far off it but was he much of a skip sort of diver by any chance like you pass a skip and have a look and see what was there
1: i think i think he did yeah i mean yeah i've heard stories i mean i only knew him for sadly for just a couple of years and he got very ill and he passed away which um, is tragic, tragic really too young, 67 It's when it was how old my dad was when he passed away as well um, um, yeah, he, but he did he did, um, he, he was very there's still bits of like boxes where he'd go to auctions and things and just like the look of stuff um, and just buy lots of old fittings or lots of old discs, and then try and make something with it so kind of, you know um, I think sometimes it's really nice to have a limited, I don't, I'm going to bring this back to brewing. Um, <laughs> if you kind of limit yourself, you limit your options, you could be more creative, I think. Sometimes if you sit in front of the hops list at Charles Farham and there's like 350 writers of hops, you know, yes. how useful is that to you? It's great, you can buy loads of things. There's so much choice, but actually, do you get to really know something and you get to sort of, you know maybe if you're given five writers and then here you go that's all you've got make them interesting that's kind of more of a challenge i guess um
0: yeah, and it yeah, sort kind of know what
1: you're doing a bit more i guess
0: you kind yeah of- i was i was looking briefly very briefly uh when i worked at the harbour bar it restarted the kit there the two and a half barrel system there and i eventually wrote it off because one it's up a flight of stairs in the first place So i'm like well you're not gonna get a- create a bottle of that that's that's no. just what happened oh dear and, no. and two it was just just the work involved i was like it's just not for a two and a half barrel kit it just wasn't the amount of work required wasn't worth it but i did the same as you i was looking at charles Farham's uh uh website and you know malt miller and everybody everybody else's i was like oh you could make this with this and oh you could make a recipe with that and that'd be great, and people would love that, or I would love that. Maybe people wouldn't love it, but yep. yeah, it gets, <laughs> you know yourself, you kind of kind of have to rein it in a little bit. Um, so you get that. Where was your sort of first outlets for beer then? Because I know you do a lot of uh, farmer's markets as well.
1: Um. Yeah, Kinross Farmer's Market. The first beer that I put out to the public went to a wedding. Um, people just, there just, was some... Uh, my wife's colleagues they were trained together and they they she was getting married um catherine and bill um so yeah they just asked for a dark beer and uh, a pale beer um so i've just brewed them and put it out um i think they enjoyed them i hope they did um it was very like it was very early days um but, yeah, the pale ale kind of still is Phoenix Pale now. I mean, yeah. kind of similar, really. <laughs> um, it's kind of the, yeah, sort of the, the formula, I guess. Um, but, yeah, and then King Ross Farmer's Market. Um, and I've done that ever since. And it's, you know, it's it's just, I just love it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about how long I'm going to be doing these things and stuff like that. Um, I can't really answer at the moment. Um, so, yeah, they work really well. They work really well for Little Brewery like me um i suppose i've just been out of it though i've been there going there for this is going to be my fourth year next year so
0: oh wow yeah um because yeah um
1: yeah oh sorry paul sorry oh sorry
0: sorry. um i'm ashamed to say i didn't know about blunt chisel until i started staying in when i met my partner um and i was looking through the caledonian craft beer list and i'm like who's blunt chisel like, you know, I... who's inner bay who's oven stone like just all these names i'm in i was in edinburgh and i'm like who yeah. are these people that are ostensibly i can see from the top of edinburgh yeah. like i could see roughly where they are and i'm just like i have no idea who these guys are and obviously you and kate have become sort of corner cornerstones in part of my philosophy as well of what Grain Schooner stocks is uh you know given that outlet as well to breweries that aren't as well known because obviously you don't have enough beer to go far enough to get that name out there in that fashion it's it's always a kit you know this was when you were still brewing at one barrel a time and yeah Yeah. Kate still is as well so obviously there's very limited I don't want to say distribution as such because that's not the word I'm looking for but certainly certainly sort of limited sort of Online distribution, if that makes sense, of where the name is and the noise. Yeah, totally. Compared compared to, say, you know, early Vault City, or early Vault City was still brewing in someone's bedroom to begin with. And that name was going everywhere. And it's just like, and then I'm like, these are great beers. Why why is nobody familiar with them? Why, why, you know, like I said, how could I in Edinburgh just completely miss it? So this was. Later half. Later of the first. It's really interesting. I mean, like
1: I I I do think about that a lot. Um, It's kind of I I quite like in a really weird way. I know if I was talking to some, you know, someone who was maybe a back like business backing or anything like that, i would be like, what? Why? What's wrong with you? But I quite (laughs) like being uh, colloquial. I quite like it um i think it adds a a value and a bit of a specialness to the product Mm -hmm. my ego and maybe the bank account would like being sort of more (laughs) well known and things like that um but i never came i've came in a person who like i'm quite anti-marketing um (laughs) which is which is stupid isn't it really but i don't know i've got my reasons um and yeah. I think, I th- cause, uh, yeah, that's really interesting because I was looking at Bull City as well and like their backstory and um, I'm not a massive, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a massive South fan, but what I've had there is like it been really interesting. And they're putting out different beer all the time um, and they must work their socks off at it and they're so well received um, and they've just got a really nice approach and I just like the way they're presented and um but yeah, maybe maybe because what they're doing is more sort of clicking with the craft beer scene and things like that. Um, I do appreciate I'm probably sort of slowly sort of, sort of doing, you know, me and Kate a bit more traditional maybe um, with what we're doing.
0: I like, to th- I like to think of it zigging instead of zagging sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. very much how I think about Tors- Torside Brewery down south, who are still one of my favourite breweries around. They've stuck to 500ml bottles and 300ml bottles um, they make, I don't want to say traditional, because traditional kind of comes with a sort of millstone around it, if you will. Yeah. They're stuck to beers that are, that don't, you know, they they still do very crazy beers when they want to, but the day-to-day stuff is still 4% pale ales with with a nice balance of hops that people can drink several pints of. And I have done that myself, you know, in yeah. very recent memory. It's yeah. and And I think that's very much it feels whereas everybody's like say where everybody's going one way there's now this empty space where people aren't you know yeah if we if you think about early top outs being the 500 mil bottles they still do a lot of their core beers from back then but they are they since moved into this are canned more craft heavy style but certainly a brewery like i don't even know where i'm going with this one surprisingly enough but certainly you know it's where everybody's going oh we're going to do cans we're going to do this we're going to do that because that's what people want there's there's suddenly leaving behind this empty space where where brewery especially of, of sort of uk sort of size you know something like oh cool our sort of little range can sort of fit in here as well
1: I yeah uh, i i totally i mean it's starting to become more more clear to me um and yeah, a lot of a lot of beer drink. I mean, yeah, a lot of the, my my customers as well. I mean, I'm I'm the same. You will go around the supermarket and you'd you'd buy because you fancy a couple of beers while you cook dinner, and you you, you want and there's yeah, Yal and bitter and twisted and things like that, which have been around a while, and they're brilliant on cask. But mm-hmm. that kind of sort of more craft, sort of a bit you know a, a fresher approach, probably a bigger dry hop and things like that. You know things that. But fill in that spot. Um, And I just see it. I just see that as, you know, as clear as day to me. And trying to get ABV down on beers as well, because I appreciate a lot of people are trying to be mind mindful about what they drink. I'm not interested in doing alcohol-free beers at all. Um, I know there's a lot of startup companies that are, you know, I get loads of Facebook adverts from whatever, days or whoever they are, you know, and all that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a big commercial entity, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hedge fund or whatever. I'm not taking it away from them, but that's the way it appears to me. Um, I think the average person just wants, a, you know, something super tasty that they can have half a, a pint of, um, uh-huh. that's interesting and balanced and balanced. Um, but yeah, that, 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 yeah. Because there is a lot of noise, and there's, you know, especially with darker, strong dark beers, and there's a lot of, you know, double IPAs and and beautiful hazy beers and and New England IPAs, which I love, and I do like making them, even though they always cover me in hops whenever I brew them. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, that's the way I see it. Um, And I think there's room to maneuver in that style as well. So, kind of what I brewed earlier today was a bit like that. I'm looking at using what's like rye, loads of oats. And like brewing a New England IPA, but trying to make it a, like a, a session beer. Well, like not session. Yeah. I mean, it's not really encourage people to, I think on a table beer, that sort of thing. Um, three, 3% and try and keep it balanced. And if I sort of go down a dead end with this, i um, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to be like, nah, this isn't good. Um, I mean, most beers are 4 to 5% for a reason. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way I see it. And I don't know, I mean, i just quietly plodding on, Paul, with what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm surprised because people do, like, yeah, I kind of get shocked a bit every now and again where people do sort of, you know, on untapped or something when I'm sort of being narcissistic and staring into the portal. Um, uh, and like, oh, shit, there's someone drinking my beer in, like, Cumbria or Newquay or something. I'm like, how did that happen? What's wrong with them? Um, <laughs> you know, every now and again.
0: I'm getting to the end of the Phoenix Pale and this is one of these beers, you know, we talk about these sessionable beers and yep. beers that would be great on cask and I'm like, I honestly want to go down to the pub and just drink all of that all the time? It's you know, it's not something that's completely mad hop both in hop profile, and both in the hops chosen and how they're used as well. It'd be very easy for this to be a 3.8% citrus beer that tastes you know, I have a, I have a difficult relationship with Yarl. People love it but I'm like it's just too grassy and it just has this hollow lack of maltness to it Whereas this sort of almost plays into that a little bit but it doesn't quite go there it still holds on it still has its own sort of body to it as such it's so that's why i really i'm like yep i I was in a pub and i saw that and i'm like when I tried it, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Just line them up. Just line them up I know. all the
1: time. I'd, I'd love to get it more out on cask. It's one of those things. I love
0: cask beer, and I'd love to do it more. <laughs> and I will I will try. But yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things about Fife. Uh, and you know, I've been t- chatting with people sort of deep in the campaign for Relayal recently. And Fife's a, Fife as an area is geologically massive compared to some groups. But it's yeah. very disparate. It's very spread out. So it's not got this... Sort of concentration like the Edinburgh Edinburgh Lothians group would have. It's yeah. It's like it's a pocket of two or three or one here. It's like oh, it's the Sun Inn and it's Betty Nichols, and then you're into you know St Andrews and stuff like that. So it's it becomes harder and harder to do that because it, you're because you have to go around all these places and they have to be sort of online enough to that people know about it. Yep. You know, I I just know,
1: don't either. I can't I just can't I try and get my head around cask every now and again, and I do the sums, and I think about it logistically, and I'm like, I just, it's, I just, I, yeah, <laughs> i just love to. If there was a few, if it was like the North Yorkshire Moors, and there was about 12 real ale pubs within 10 miles of the brewery, I'd be all over it. i probably need a bigger brewery, and I'd probably have a different approach, but, um, yeah, but, yeah, chasing, like, one or two, I mean, how do you plan that? You fill one cask, and then hopefully someone might have space for it, before it's got a bit rough um, mm-hmm. but yeah phoenix pale was I, I did do some phoenix pale at Bet Nichols actually and it got really well received um, which is nice to hear um, yeah, yeah i uh, i tried to i definitely have the same opinion as you about y'all i know serving things from cask and a little bit of oxygen gets in and the low carbonation does soften things out and i can see why They sort of bitey hops, but I'm not a big Citra fan. I mean, I've enjoyed it, but I find it a bit catwee and a bit grassy Uh and a bit bitey. I kind of Phoenix pale was going to be a lot of Nelson Sovan and jester, um, because I wanted those sort of high notes to sort of keep it like light and summery. Um, but yeah, I was using jester just as a bit of a, just because the descriptors are very much like that. Um, but I feel like that takes the – because often Mosaic and Citra are put together because I think Mosaic is quite sort of round and um, yeah. mellow and it has quite – that's quite pungent, but isn't quite bright. So I think a lot of people put it with Citra to try and get that nice. And it's a really, yeah, lovely combination. But, yeah, I kind of went down the just sort of using Jester to be the sort of more, um, yeah, herbal-ish, lemony kind of citrusy type thing. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's quite heavily dry hot as well, and it's kind of now, I've changed it a little bit, and it is brewed a little bit more sort of hazy pale style. Um, mm. I'm using Verdant IPA in it now. I've actually changed, I shouldn't say all this stuff, but I've changed the yeast. Oh,
0: I, I, I I definitely know a few people that listen to this that are definitely very much into the process and, like, mm. getting into the sort of, you know, what colours make up the painting sort of thing. So, yeah, definitely talking, like, you know, Verdant well. yeast, and that's that's... That's so, you know, a very
1: popular yeast in the New England IPA market. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm starting to use it for everything now. Um, it's really expensive, but um, yeah, I mean it's London ale three, and I think a lot of people are using it. I mean it's like I think it's like Cascade. But I've been yeah using it in dark beer, the mild that I did had it in, and I'm going to revisit the coffee stout, and that's going to have it in. Um, and then yeah, Phoenix Pale does. Um, sheep is using a similar sort of New England style strain. Um, I might you know. Um, that's the Conan strain but yeah, from when I started the pale ales I was using using little homebrew from Cross Maloof who are still brilliant I still use them all the time for stuff and they had these um, yeast called Pia and it was a New Zealand yeast Um, and it was just more soft and fruity than um, USA5 which kind of I don't know I kind of think the sort of craft beer sort of movement really started because you could have a clean yeast that like just mm-hmm. bangy hot flavors and it quite copes well with higher alcohol beers. Um And I still use it. It's great. Um But yeah, I think palates have changed a little bit. I think hoppy beers are getting softer and sweeter. Um I don't know. I might be wrong. They... Um,
0: and there's still a market for people that do the sort of, if you will, sort of cleaner, drier, more bitter sort of styles than going all in. Yeah. On the sort of hazy, softy, softer, juicier. But yeah, USO5 has been the it's been the workhorse for, Amer- yeah. especially American craft, you know, we, and it's, you know, which is funny, you know, we, you know, I think a lot about sort of the cross Atlantic pollination of, of process and culture. And it's like, it's funny that we exported that yeah. as a, as an English yeast and it became, it became the Sierra Nevada yeast and it became USO5 and Chico and it, anything yeah. that comes up like that in homebrew in in, you know, the yeast markets, uh, is it, is it 001 for White Labs or something like that?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Why well, use ten fifty six and um yeah. I, have, I used to use it as a liquid. Um
0: yeah. yeah. And it's all those, it's this and it like like we say, and it produces a very lovely clean beer, but it's got almost no yeast characteristics at it. But then some that, but then people weren't looking for that in their really? IPAs at the time in their paleos. They were you know, trying it's one step at a time, you know. You know, Sierra Nevada, Nevada Paleo was people's education at that time about yep. just, you know, trying to talk to them about... Can you imagine trying to talk to them about yeast as well at the same time while you're trying <laughs> yeah. to talk? Yeah. You're just like, oh, no. And i am still it's got, got some you've just... real soft spot. I mean, my Selma
1: IPA is kind of a bit of a... I used to like Goose Island IPA, and I just wanted something, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of sort of, sort of dusky-flavoured, dank kind of yeah kind of a bit of, with a bit of bod- sweetness in it as well a bit of caramel um yeah. yeah that's kind of something i've always liked it's always where i thought about craft beer um if i was sort of going to sort of s- sit down of an evening with some cheese and and have some cans of stuff that's all six and eight percent then yeah that's the kind of place i find myself i used to <laughs> so yeah um yeah, so yeah, uh, Phoenix Pale. Um, it was again a beer that I dropped the ABV down on as well um, to three point eight. Um, kept a lot of Vienna malt in it to try and keep the body. I used Crafty Maltster's malt as well, which are, does shine through. Um, mm-hmm. I
0: think. Um, how do you? How do you find? You know, once again, we're going to get get a little little inside baseball here. Yeah, um, I've had people, and I'm and I've been mean to talk to Crafty Maltsters because they because they provide so many of the be- you know, malt to so many beers that are in the web sh- on the Green Schooner website, you know, you yep. Guys and Inner Bay and Apocal and Dog Falls. And pro- you could probably point to any small and probably um, fill at uh, Simple Things as well, I think uses some of their stuff as well. I I, but uh-huh. somebody came to me once very early on, once again, talking about the Harbour Bar Brew Kit, and he was like, oh, I find it really sweet. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what beers have it in, though. I don't know if that's something that you've sort of what found we- a- I don't know what he's looking... I don't know what he I-, I didn't go too deep and ask him on that one, but he was well, an expert, so it
1: depends on process. Um mm. I don't know. I know I know I knew actually and I gonna be controversial here. Um but Kate didn't like crafty maltsters and she uses munson's malt because she said it's mm. got a bit of a well, she described it as having this peanut husk smell. Um
0: Oh, she has talked to me about that actually which, now that I think about it. Which
1: I agree with, but I really like that. I think like delicate sort of pale ales. I think it's really
0: nice. Um, such a such a weird note to pick up as peanut husks. Like. Yeah,
1: but I know what she means. Exactly what she means. And yeah, I mean, if you wanted. To, I mean, because I yeah, I use Vienna malt from Chris Maltings with it, or sometimes use mm-hmm. Mayhem. Depends, depends what's available. Um, and yeah, it definitely does have a sort of more of that kind of different base malts I've used. It's kind of more of a sort of multi-round sort of nutty, caramelly thing. Um, interestingly, I tried a bit of their Scotch Annette malt at Crafty Maltsters the other day, um, which is a heritage variety, and they've sent a load up to Dornick Distillery as, oh. as a distilling malt spec, but I'm going to try and get, well, I'm going to get some. Just it's one of those things <laughs> <laughs> I really want to boo it, but I don't <laughs> have any time. Um, uh, so, yeah, I tried that, and it was actually very different. Very different. It was more sort of a bit more traditional, maybe very biscuity. Um, yep. So, yeah, I really like it, and I really yeah. like the fact it comes from. Lo- lo- I mean, that's quite important. Um, and I can just drive and get some and be brewing with freshly crushed malt the next day does make all difference i'd love to mill my own grain here but it, i don't have any room and it will just make a massive no. mess and it's just another big no. bit of equipment to rely on which is another thing rely on because if it goes wrong you're screwed so um yeah, yeah so yeah, I,
0: saw, I saw other world brewing in edinburgh's uh green green crushing and sort of sort of Millen arm, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is actually quite big. Is yeah, it was like 12 <laughs> 15 feet long, and it hangs over hangs over everything and drops down into the mash tunnel. I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand why nobody has space for these. So, okay, yeah. fair enough. Okay, I saw it, uh, yeah, uh, and all great. I don't know if you've been down there. Um, Magic Rocks one was huge as well when in their current space it like started on the ground, so you had the, obviously the Saxon Malt, and now, of course, they've got their own. Um, green silos out back as well as for sort of just standard pale malt and stuff, and it was just this huge elevator that took it up. And I'm like, oh okay, yeah, yeah, all right, uh, yeah. It creates a better drink, but it's it's such it's such a physical outlay and a financial outlay as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can yeah, I couldn't begin to imagine. It would be brilliant. It would be brilliant. And I think like getting from the American craft scene, I think that's like especially looking at home brewers, doing they just they they like they, they crush their own grain. It's you know. It's, it's um, yeah, it's one of those things that we'd all like to do. And, you know, the difference it makes. Well, I know it's like, I know it's batches and I always try and get it fresh. And, and if it's something like sheep beer or pale, then I'd, yeah, always use and do those first. And that is in my mind as well when, I,
0: when I'm when i brewing.
1: Um, in what order I do things? Um, part of the planning, really, um, to try and keep, yeah, it does make a difference. Nice. But yeah, but I do love them all. And, um, and I think, yeah, I think it's distinctive, definitely distinctive.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I've now moved on to, funnily enough, we just mentioned it, sheep beer. Yeah. Um, which is one champion bottled beer of Fife uh, for Campaign for Real Ale twice in a row. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was on the judging panel for that because I went, all oh, right, cool. This is a int- chance to, because obviously the groups haven't been able to meet and stuff like that. So I've felt a little left out on that one. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll get to meet some people. And this showed up so well this just just of everything that was in it there was one other beer that might have got it but i was like it's it was, it was just all malt bitterness and it just was really astringent and unpleasant for it this was just so clean so well hot this was just it was zingy it was fresh and it just it just came out the gates so well and as soon as i smelled it i went oh i think i know what this is <laughs> <I think laughs> I have an idea. oh that's um, brilliant well so that's this,
1: really really nice to hear that um it was a very fresh batch, actually. I was gonna put something else into the competition, but I just bottled that, and I'm like, "This is this is great." Like, I don't think it's gonna get much better than this. So I'll put it in, um, and again, because I, because I, yeah, because I won it last year as well. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and though, and I fuck. think those that
0: were on the panel for last year said that this was this year had to come up in itself as well. It, it it come on in the year as well. It, it, you know whatever, so. Sort of, process that you're doing and whatever sort of knowledge you're obtaining, it's clearly shown through. It's it's now, it was shown through much better this year by all accounts. I obviously had no frame of reference for it, but I was like, oh, this is so good. Oh, great, so yeah. for people that don't know, it's a single hops, Nelson and you call it a pale ale, even though you could probably get away calling it an IPA, but that's kind of splitting hairs at this point. Yeah, I don't really know. This, this has become quite the, this has become, is this, a, is this considered a flagship, or is this just Think you know, it's gone, right, but... yeah. It's kind of finding that a little bit, I think. Um, because you've obviously done the brand extension that is that was Dolly as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I sold out the entire case to one person <laughs> in one day when I picked that
1: up, yeah. It's all gone, Dolly. I'm gonna try and brew that uh next when everything's empty. That's gonna be the next refill, Dolly. Um, yeah, it sold out in a month. Um,
0: because you were, you were initially, this was what, November, beginning of December, end of November? Yeah. Because I came up and picked up a case of it, of Dolly and Sheep, and yep, like I said, put it on the website and it was immediately gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was when I was going through that horrific uh, tooth infection.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it well, just I was just know know
0: oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I got a call. Two days ago about it, they were like, "Oh, we can fit you in a tooth extraction." Like, no, I had to get that removed within the week that that was coming down. So, um, yeah, that was um somebody up in Cooper. He was like, "Oh, are you are getting this in?" I'm like, "I'm aware of it. I haven't really thought about it because I was just like focusing on the toothache." He was like, "Oh, I would buy twelve bottles if you got it." And I'm like, "All right, cool, fine, done." <laughs> just immediately <laughs> sent you the message. Uh, um,
1: <laughs> well, it, I'm sorry they lasted so such a short time, but. <laughs> I know.
0: But that's good. That's good. That's you know, you know, a part of it's like, oh, there's hard work and plenty of it. You know, hard work, mm. you know, it creates more hard work. But it, because we were talking before and you were concerned about it sitting around too long and getting oxidized and stuff like that, which yeah. is genuine yeah. concerns about a New England IPA. This is a beer that, for some reason, seems to pick up a lot more oxygen than, or yeah. at least show oxygen pick up a lot more heavily than other beers. So yeah, yeah that's a, it's a genuine concern, but. This is, this is so good. Uh, this is another one of these beers that I think if I saw it on tap, I would have a hard time being dragged, <laughs> dragged away Dragged uh, for... It should be on tap. It should be on tap.
1: Well, like, yeah, I'm answer. all out of it at the moment, but um, there's a tank. It was dry hot two days ago. Um, so yeah, that's gonna it's gonna be back real soon. Um, it's really nice to hear as well about process and things like that because I have been, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I have, I've have changed a lot. Like I'm always trying to make things better. Um, and it's kind of the beauty of being sort of. Small and I guess somewhat self-sufficient because you can kind of just you can kind of just do what you want um, and hopefully put it in the right direction. Um,
0: yeah,
1: it, it does have a lot of limitations as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, cheap uh, beers. Well, it was basically an extension for Phoenix Pale. Um, mm-hmm. It's what they were kind of inter- intertwined because Phoenix Pale was going to be sheep beer, and then sheep beer became its own thing. Um, it was one of the first brews I did. I had the Greg Hughes book and. Um, he had sort of single hot IPA recipes, and they're all basically with USO five, um, all pale malt. They were like brew dog basically recipes. Sorry, brew dog, mm-hmm. but generalized, but that sort so. of like early American style craft beer. Um, so yeah, I brewed with Nelson Sovan, and I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, but I took the DNA of the pale and moved it to. So I put the IB, uh, ABV up and similar process and i've just I've, I've upped the dry hop quite a lot and the yeast choice is different and um and yeah it's it's become yeah it's big, it's really really well received it's like it's beer i mean i sell more phoenix pale but it's my number 2
0: um which is it's not it's not a bad position then in no terms of no podcasts. um i'm sort of vaguely aware of time and i did say about an hour more sort of 47 minutes in. Um, what's the what's the future looking like you know i know that you have sort of space constraints and so it's kind of like you know <laughs> there's not a lot more space in where you are in, within the old mill to sort of expand the brewery i you know i've seen it myself a few times i'm like i know like another tank would be tight but it's yeah yeah what, what's what is it sort of just taking it as it comes or is there sort of a you know what what does essentially let's look at this year what does this year look like
1: well i think it's going to be the first year where i'm not upgrading equipment in the middle of the summer um uh-huh. so i'm kind of i'm basically looking forward to just giving it a run in just being as much fully operational as possible which is going to be really that's going to be a big thing cuz every year i've i've done something like you know put up a yeah, Last year, I got my new kit, two and a half barrel, put that in. I put it all in myself and wired it all and put all the glyco in and everything like that. And everything's been delayed. So, yeah, anyway, looking, yeah. So, it would so be really nice to have a good, clear run of it, just making beer as and when I can and not have delays. Um, so, that's the main thing. Um, I'm going to carry on with the farmer's markets. So I'm getting to the point where I could maybe do with someone doing them while I do something else. Um, but... As employing people maybe might be something I'm looking at, at but it's got to be the right person. It's got to be the right relationship. I'm kind of very precious about things, and I like working on my own. And I'm not a good boss, so um, that I'm mindful of all those things. (laughs) Um, I think with the extra like production, hopefully I've got a bit of headroom. So I've been some more retailers like yourself and. Um, a few of the shops locally, it's nice to have a bit of a representation in sort of communities, um, you know, in retail as well, because, my, yeah, my business model is so based on selling direct to the custom, the public, which is kind of, I guess, a bit of a lockdown model for a lot of breweries that they've had to just start mm-hmm. canning and bottling in in-house and getting a web shop and deliveries and things like that. And I really like that. And it's it's got, like, financially, it, it makes sense. It really makes sense, especially when you don't make that much beer um i today actually some jobs i've done today um i'm getting a new banner because i built a little events bar um so you know colin at caledonian craft beer merchant in march has got his Beer fest so it's kind of nodding Mm -hmm. towards that sorry to talk about rivals and no uh, no no that's fine (laughs) Um,
0: i don't think that truly affects me so i'm not going to worry about it too much
1: but yeah so a bit doing a bit of that um I'd like to try and do a bit. I'd like to just be outside pouring pints a little bit. Um this year like you've been saying about beers my some of my beers like pale and sheep beer like there's a limited experience and it's a, it's a bit like I don't know it's a bit like having something that's only on vinyl and then you never get to see it live. Uh that's, that's silly but um but yeah I'd like to um I'd like to sort of yeah have, have my beer out there to be poured on draft or from okay. keg. That'd be good. Um, just keep talking. Continue a song. I <laughs> could have a Star Wars thing before we Sorry, I
0: had to run away there. There was a delivery driver. Sorry.
1: Oh, no worries. That's okay. Right,
0: um, you might want to edit. I started singing. Yeah. Um, oh, that's fine. I'll, I, might that's I might leave in. I might leave in. I don't want to put you on the spot about collaborations, but certainly, is there, is there anyone around you like, you'd like to talk to and go, should we make this? Should we do this? That, that.
1: Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love to do some barrel aging and things like that. Yep, yep, yep. Coffee stout would be... Yeah, I I did a bit with non-Orthodox roasters, so um, I did a coffee stout with them, but I really want to revisit that and improve it. Um, Yeah, it's a tricky thing. Um, I kind of want to have the wiggle room to be able to plan extras, and these are kind of all, sadly, extras. Um, And... Yeah, it kind of... So coming up for Christmas, just because I'm on my own in the scale of what I do, it's like everything, every light, every action has to really count because otherwise there's just like something else that gets lost, um, mm-hmm. You run out of stuff, or you know you, you, your schedule gets sort of screwed around and then you yeah you, know, you can't plan properly and buy things that cost more money to get them delivered and it's a bit bad financially and stuff like that. But
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah, I'd love to. I don't know about collaborating with other brewers. I've got quite a good relationship with Ian at Beef. Um, um, we're always sort of chatting about stuff. Um, I don't know, Paul. I don't know. <laughs> I just need some space. <laughs> just need a bit of space. Um, space in time. But, you know, hopefully, like I was saying this year, looking forward, now I'm, um, you know, I'm churning out 400 litre batches and I could probably squeeze more out of it, should I want. And, you know, if there's a bit of money freed up this year, I probably will get another fermenter maybe something a bit bigger and really sort of make make a decent amount of beer. So I've got a bit of wiggle room. So I know that my pale ale is good for the next three months. And I'm not thinking like every five weeks I'm going to have to, you know, something's completely gone or less, three weeks, two weeks. Because, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's hard to keep up with. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's like I say, the hard work only, it only conjures up more hard work as yeah. such. It's, it's really
1: good. Um, to be honest, Paul, the thing, like, the way, the only real sort of, like, because I had a big, hard think about the future last year, and I nearly give up. I nearly gave the whole thing up because I was just back, breaking my back, and I know, like, it's a romantic thing. I've got a lot of romance, the drinks industry and, you know, all that. I don't know. People's attitudes are changing. I mean, think alcohol, especially with dry January, I should mention that. It's like, uh-huh. it's, it's bad, and you're good if you don't drink, or you're being good to yourself. I mean, like, there's, there's a grain of truth in everything, isn't there? But I, it's also quite a cultural thing, and I don't need to knock it. But I do feel like, you know, the relationship with businesses like this, I, I kind of you have to be quite sort of brutal, I guess, at a time. And if you're following your dream, the world around you is changing. Um, which you have to reflect, but also you know what what it does to you as well, and your work life balance, and the way it makes you feel. And if you you know if you if you don't sleep, I mean, I mean, still today, like at three in the morning, sometimes I come to the brewery because I'm I can't sleep because I'm worried about something tiny, you know, and like that level of anxieties, it's not very healthy. Um, it's because you care, and like anyone who does anything that they really care about, you know, puts that sort of level of effort in. I'd imagine, um. But yeah, um, what am I saying, Paul? What am I saying? <laughs> but um,
0: it, it yeah. is hard being a, a single operate, single person run. Well, I say single as in it's just you running a, an entire operation that's both yeah. physical and you know, I don't want to say ephemeral, but certainly you know things like tax returns and HMRC and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, and.
1: Yeah, you have to be quite good at everything, really. I mean, you can be a bit shit at some things, um, but they do catch up on you. Uh, It's nice to have that sort of financial buffer to be able to sort of go, you know what, they're better at that. I'll pay them to do it. Um, I'm kind of keen to get professional relationships with people. People are professionals. And I know it'd be like, I've had some advice from Business Gateway and things like that, and it doesn't really fit well with me. I'm not knocking Business Gateway because they're brilliant, but... Depends. but this kind of business approach where it's you know cut your costs down get volunteers to do things for you I don't want my mm. products to be done by volunteers I've worked with volunteers you know they're a volunteer <laughs> and people should be paid yeah. if you're doing work you should be paid but basically what I'm saying is like you've got to I find you now I'm looking at myself and be like look you've worked um last year for example I didn't pay myself until I paid myself from three months last year, so I worked right. twelve months. And as romantic as you want it to be, um, would you, you? know, I mean, I, I, obviously your situation starting up a new business. So I, can, I imagine you understand what it's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just yeah. to you know, the wider public, it's like it can really chew at your soul to do something and work really hard. So you have to work. Um, and no one's paying you because you effectively turn mm. yourself into your own slave, um, and slave labour is illegal. So,
0: so this year, um, if you call it self-employment, it's it's not yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, like
1: self-employment. Yeah, it's a gig economy. It's all really good. Yeah, employment figures are mm. really high, and all this bullshit. I listen to a lot of Radio Four while I make beer, so I try and put an intellectual <laughs> BBC-led um, aroma in all of the beer that I produce. It's slightly left-wing. I don't know. Um <laughs> and uh, anyway, no, I'm not getting into this. I went, been... <laughs> it's, but,
0: um... it's fine. I'm just aware of the bubbling culture war that's going on on outside of this conversation about the BBC because we're recording this yeah. the day after uh, the N- Nadine Dory's coin. Oh, yeah, we're gonna get rid of the. License free, and there's gonna be less funding. Yada yada yada. Oh, the BBC is terrible for this, stuff. yeah. They're they're like,
1: absolutely oh, awful, aren't they? The BBC, so. how dare they? How dare they report <laughs> on things the way they do?
0: I don't, I don't, I don't need any more culture war, <laughs> anyway. Right, it. okay, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, so that's, a of reflection, of... that's a reflection on me more than anything else. Um,
1: so a lot of my, my sort of plans for this year, um, is to be like, yeah, I'm not gonna sort of break my back over some things, you know. Um, I took a weekend off, um, which was really nice. Actually, I did. I was in the brewery. Um, I was in the brewery on Monday and Sunday. Um, on Saturday or Sunday, for, for a bit. But <laughs> it's like just trying to get that balance. Um, and I think I'm going to be better. It's going to make the beer better. Um, I think because I just won't be rushing things and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Um, and, take and That's them. the worst thing you can do for beer is rush yeah. it. It's yeah. There's yeah. there's no shortcuts. There's no there's no whatever. There's no way to push it that little bit faster it just has to yeah do what it does and in the time it, it takes is that's that's what the, that's you it. know so when you get when you get a stuck fermentation that's all, you know i get i know that suddenly throws everything into disarray when you need when you're on quite tight turnaround times as well yep yeah um, and
1: yeah kind sort of yeah and that's it if the beer's bad it goes i mean i'll ditch batches um it's horrible and it's a yep. waste of time, and that's the worst thing. It's like, you know, but
0: um, yeah, yeah. i uh, at least when you're on four hundred liter batches, it's less in the grand scheme of things. It's less less of a headache. But when you're a business of your size, then yeah, four hundred liter batch going down the pan is still four hundred liters going down the pan. It's yeah, it's all it's all relative. It's you know, it's, yeah. yeah, sure, it's not the same as dumping four hundred thousand liters, but it's still. Yeah. Uh, represents yeah. a significant portion. Yeah. So it's and, and each batch
1: has to sort of stand up in its own right because I don't have any overlap and I can't blend beers and things because I, I mean I'm aware that that probably that does go on in bigger breweries and you know you could sort of even stuff out. Not that not that anyone would dilute down a a good batch with a rubbish batch just to keep it out there. Um, no, but there's you know there's financial pressures with these things and there's a compromise of what everything that you do and. Yeah, you can be zen-like and you know try and and you know have a process that I think yeah work on your process. The beauty is the process. Um, yep, and yeah, you could look at it. I mean, it's is it economical? There's got to be a balance between the two things. Um, that's 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 the tricky thing for small brewers, I think.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's uh... It's not easy, whatever way you want to start pin that one. In. Yeah, you know, like you say, there's the romanticism to it, you know. And I certainly listen to podcasts with, you know, that quite a lot of the times it comes up with a lot of the sour and wild and mixed fermentation brewers, and they they kind of get to have a, sort of, a certain zen about it because it's like, well, then this beer isn't ready now. We'll come back to it in six months, but yeah. it's you don't you don't you don't have the joy of that. You've got I have six days <laughs> compared yeah. to six months. It's, uh, yeah. and certainly. You know, you no, know, I don't. I don't want to be putting words in my mouth, but definitely, you know, I feel like you're on the right path. I feel like you're doing a lot of the things right. And like I say, the sheep beer is just so good. I feel like people, more people, need to know about it. Oh, thanks, in regards, it's very, very um,
1: kind. Thank you, Paul. It's nice to hear yeah, things like that. You know,
0: as, as someone that's been around beer for too long, you know, I've seen big breweries put out terrible beer, and I've seen small breweries put out the best of things. I've seen all sorts. I don't think there's much in beer that surprises me anymore. So it always, and there's and that breeds a certain cynicism as well. Is mm-hmm. you know we talk about these six quid, six pounds, eight quid, you know, hoppy cans that, that turn out to be not so great in some cases, that, and it's just like this is, you know, this does exactly what it does. It it you know it, not that it's promising highly, but it delivers highly. It's you know. Even the ginger and honey rye, I I need to revisit that personally at some point. But the last bottle that I had I went, Yep, this does exactly what it says on the tin. It does. It's really
1: it nice
0: it, it tastes like gin- ginger and it tastes like rye. <laughs> you know, it's got a bit of honey and it's got a bit of honey in it. Okay. Yeah, technically it does what it does on the tin, but it's But it's done at and the thing I'm gonna say, it's done at a level that sort of lacks at small breweries sometimes. You know, really? I feel like some small breweries treat it like a like a a glorified homebrew operation but certainly if i picked up sheep beer from a brewery the size of tempest i'd be like oh this is great you know yeah 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 but the fact that it comes from somebody who's so much smaller that like i've like I say i've seen the sort of space you're in if that's more than 500 square feet of brewing space then that's i'd be surprised at what's the size is there it's you're you are capable of doing so much more than what the brewery size sort of suggests. So if you get if you get what that means, it's, no, it's good. I think that's something that you and Kate do really well. Is is you make beers that absolutely belie uh, sort of you know a lot. You know they, it belies having you know a full lab behind you and a full quality assurance team and everything else. It's you know there's so many ways for sheep beer to be done poorly by bigger breweries as well. You know. Mm-hmm. It's cause, cause well, Nelson Sovin is quite a hard hop at times to deal with. It's you know that's very batch to batch. It's same with Citra. Yep. Sometimes it doesn't last. So it, the fact that it comes out and you're like, wow, it just zings straight out of the ball. That's uh, you know, even you know going into other things like the oatmeal stout and wood smoke and uh, you know, stuff like that. Like I say, it's like I say, it's been part of the mantra from the beginning for grain schooners going. Cool. This is great breweries at the small size that don't have, like I say, that don't have that noise surrounding them mm-hmm. because they don't go far outside the brewery door. So it's like, cool. I'm going to tell you about them, and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to drink it, and you're going to enjoy it.
1: Well, it's really, um, it's really kind, and, and yeah, I, it's yeah. I'd like. I'd, I'd, I think everything has to have a good strong foundation, and and um, I'd rather. I'm pleased that things. I mean, yeah. I, I guess it's the whole business aspect of things, but I kind of want the things to, to involve and just, be, I want to get good at what I'm doing before I'm mm-hmm. like, I mean, maybe later in, you know, in a couple of years time, I go hand in to a load of investors and be like, yeah, here we go and, and go down that route. I don't know, but I'd like to get the base sorted and and I just listen to my customers. I kind of see the beauty of like speaking to you now and, and doing the farms markets and things like that, because you speak to people all the time. And... Mm-hmm. Like that's worth, like, you know, that's what. That's why. I'm gonna get. Do I get political? Facebook and Google spy on us all the time because that's all they want to do, you know. Yep. <laughs> and I'm spying on everyone all of the time. I'm not. I'm not. But um. But, yeah, that's why. Um, <laughs> but it does. It's like, amazing. What? It really like it. You can tell when people try something, and you you can watch them when they try it, and you're like, yeah, I know this batch is a bit shit, and you can see it in their face, and there's no room to hide. Um. And either they come back or they don't come back, um, and yeah, that's that, that. You just have to react to that and, and just up your game and make things yeah. good. Um, and I guess I like my my philosophy as well. I mean, I know Kate takes a different approach to her production, but she's like amazingly meticulous and like really thinks about what she's making. Well, that's the impression I've got from her. She really mm-hmm. cares. She really, really cares. Um, she she's still bottle conditioning um, her beers, I think, as far as I understand. Um, yes, and she's got really good reasons for doing that. Um, I moved away from that, and but I'm 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 doing processes. I'm forced carbonating beers. I'm like watching dissolved oxygen, things like that. Um, and this, I guess, what you're saying is like, yeah, small breweries that can kind of punch above their weights because I'm using the same kit as big breweries, but it's just smaller. Um, yeah. and that was always from the start. I know a lot of people have gone down, you know, the start breweries, and they go down the sort of real ale route, and see a lot of these breweries for sale. Sadly. Second hand now, big flat for that, you know, five ten barrel kits up for sale that are perfect for chucking out real ale. Um, but yeah, if you want to make bright zingy hoppy pails like that, you need a closed yeah. fermenter. And I mean, yeah, I didn't go to university. I'm mean, I've got a lot of anxieties, <laughs> and I mean, when I first started, yeah. I'm still thinking about absolute fraud. Um, but you know, <laughs> I guess I guess it's that investment. I mean, yeah, I spent a lot I spent a lot of money on kit, and that's what's been breaking me over the last few years but I feel like I'm at a point now where I can like I can make beer that's as good as 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 Mm -hmm. good as I can um so yeah no it will be better but you know I'm doing the same sort of thing as you know other craft brewers that have got a lot more money and a lot bigger um so yeah Like, like I
0: say there's like I say I've been around a lot of beer for a lot of time, so it's it's always nice when it's a great beer that comes from a small brewery that wants to try that puts in the effort that goes all out on it it's not just you know i've we've had i've seen sample bottles that tasted like vinegar like i'm just like ironically it was a beer that talked about being clean as well i don't i don't even want to name the brewery in this one but it was like oh we've, we've spent all this time cleaning up this old brew kit like oh cool but it still tastes like Soy sauce and vinegar, like what? Did you, where did you go wrong in an eighty shilling? And where did you go wrong with this? Like, yeah, that's what that's one that sticks in my mind. Like we couldn't even finish the bottle, like a five hundred mil bottle between three of us. Just, uh, so it's <laughs> got to be tasting your products all the time. I know. Absolutely, and that's and that and you don't mean that from the getting high on your own supply thing. That is legitimate. Yeah. Just the core of QA yeah. is. Is yeah. going all right, cool. What does it taste like? Oh, this doesn't taste like right.
1: Yeah, it's um uh, that's it. Why? And Rory, why? Roy, the sun the sun is the sun
0: yeah. Roy, I've kept you a little bit longer than I intended to right now. Um that's a great, I'm gonna it's let you go so I can get this out. It's been fun. Um Yeah, just yeah. Keep keep at it. You know, I've been talking about a green schooner physical space for since the beginning of the project essentially and something I've always wanted to do is have taps is you know current thought is maybe do it do it yeah
1: if you want an in-house brewery as well because <laughs> <laughs> um i mean yeah. on, honestly like the future future the way the bunches all needs to go uh, i don't yeah. you know it basically is i've got to move somewhere that's got a tap room um so yeah or work there's... with a tap room or something i don't know it might be something like that i don't, I don't know. know but um, well
0: i definitely know a lot of the there's spaces up the back of mitchelson industrial estate here that kind of have that space to build out a brewery and put in a tap room and have an actual office and stuff like that as well. Um I sit on this for I don't why well, you've seen it but it's um it's a Oh yeah. it's a shower
1: this is my office. It's um it's one of those sort of shower um for old older people or disabled people. Um
0: that's your um, office
1: chair. It's my office chair. yes. Yeah, so it's a shower chair. Um I don't know why but it's because yeah,
0: just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck. It's it's kind of means to an end, and you're just like, "Oh, cool, I'm just am just gonna, just gonna yeah, deal with breaks this out. Up that,
1: um But it teaches me a lesson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the uh, it's the old it, the army itchy blanket thing. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's keeping you humble is is one is one bit of vaguely welded together <laughs> tack welded shower seat thing. Yeah, <laughs> Um yeah. I don't well, wear I gloves.
1: All to... I always burn my yeah. hands all day long. Oh.
0: <laughs> oh. don't, anyway. don't don't winter 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 is always the worst for me on that one because i always just the dryness of the of, of the air just gets me my hands just start cracking up like a bad chesterfield it, oh, just oh peeling God, away yeah. just like layers of skin i don't even want to think about that with parasitic and anything else no um, no it hurts a lot <laughs> it hurts a yeah. lot yeah so i've heard um roy i shall let you get right, back okay, yeah, you yeah, doing no. <laughs> it's been fun um you? catch up with you soon all right cheers, Paul. cheers. Well,